Dybala! He is something else. Di Lorenzo, and still Di Lorenzo! The captain brings the house down. Pantelopea champions once again, but the 33-year wait will now officially come to an end. Ciao ragazzi and welcome to another edition of Serie A Sit Down, World Football Index's podcast for your culture to go. I'm Frank Crivello. He's Richard Carmen. Ciao, Richard. <laughs> Ciao, Frank. Frank, you got me on late at night, 1030 at night. Well, sort of. It's time change kind of throws things off. But uh, how are you? <laughs> I'm 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 happy to be talking the Calcio, man. It has been it's 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 been it's been a day. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. Wife's wife's down with a cold now, so I'm pulling all the duties right now before I go on a little business trip again tomorrow mm. for work and all this great stuff. It just it, married couples out there with kids all know this: when one parent is down, it is hell on the other parent. If yep. you, if you got kids, it is absolute hell. So um you know and that's not the kid's fault no. um i will say this uh, i will give my my kids a lot of credit i do a lot of changing out with my garage you know last mowing of the lawn and putting the summer stuff away sadly and getting the snowblower out and having that ready and all that other stuff and my son's now at an age well my my 11 year old son is damn near five foot seven um weighs 110 pounds so he is now lifting things he's ready he is helping with lifting things and moving things because <laughs> this old man here can only do it for so much longer. Yeah, that's right. So, that's right. Um, uh, so that that was nice. And then uh, yeah, they actually they 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 did a very kind thing today. They they went and they went and helped rake their neighbor's yard. Uh, so so there's a changing um, of the guard. You're saying maybe we'll see some changing of the guards in City A. We'll see. We'll see. yes, yes. We're, <laughs> we're we're turning it over to the youngsters. Like some of these teams have been turning it over to the youngsters. Yeah, there's no uh, betting. There's no betting. Yep, yep. <laughs> just just as long just just no betting. And my son, my son's not interested in that. So <laughs> good. Uh, so that's a good thing. He 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 takes an interest in how he takes an interest in how dad does. So yeah. I happen right. to split the actually happen to split a win in. Uh, in uh, Premier League yesterday, um, uh-huh. even though it was like four dollar contest, two hundred dollars to first, hundred and fifty to second, and I had the exact same score as another guy, so we each won one hundred and seventy five bucks on a four dollar entry. So that was nice. Uh, now, now, was this the Saudi Pro League or? <laughs> uh, no, this was the Premier League. This was the okay. we load up on as much Manchester City as we can afford, and then gotcha. figure out. So I had uh, so so special thanks to Jeremy Doku. Uh, Bernardo Silva and uh, Mohamed Kudus of West Ham United for uh, for mm. for being who you were, and Nathan Ake also for scoring. So, um, but damn you, Pep, for uh, giving Holland the hook at halftime. I should have known better. <laughs> but yeah. it's it, it, that, that's just the most Pep thing. Go up three 0 at halftime, and then you just take out your leading goal scorer at half. So, oh man, but but uh, it didn't hurt me. It didn't hurt me that bad. How was your weekend? Everything go good with you? Everything's good. Watch a lot of Calcio. Get some leaf removal in my house. Uh, mm-hmm. That was that time of year, right? But uh, good, good. Everyone's sick in my house, kind of like you. Same thing with you. But uh, yeah, it's been we've been moving along. So uh, yeah, ready to talk some calcio. Like you said, I'm excited yes, to let's talk have a little. <laughs> let's have a little release. And Dominic, good to see you. If you are catching us live, please uh, jump in, chat, tell us where you are, uh, give us any comments, any thoughts on what happened with the weekend. Um, we have to do this. I mean, we have to start. And I don't know if anybody else, I'm not, not without paying a whole lot of attention, Richard, to the other um, 
podcasts that are out there speaking the English cal- the English language cal show. Mm-hmm. I think Bonetti's do. I think Bonetti's done it, okay. uh, but I don't know if I, with his podcast. But I'm not sure the others. Or maybe I, I could be wrong. But we're leading with Bologna. Um, yeah. We're leading. We're leading with Bologna this week. And yes, Atalanta played Inter. And yes, Juventus shit house Fiorentina. We're going to get to all that. But Bologna, boys and girls, uh, are ten matches unbeaten. Um, they opened that season with that two 0 loss to Milan. And here they are, uh, sixth in Serie A. Um, I got dirty looks. I got laughed at. I got poked and prodded by everybody out there in Calcio Twitter for saying that Bologna were going to finish eighth and even made the comment that it wouldn't shock me that they would finish in the European places. And Tiago Mota is making me look great. I'm sorry. I'm bragging about this one. I'm not, I'm, I'm actually kind of getting mad that I only picked them eighth. I still think they're probably going to end up around there. They'll probably get to a point this season where they're figured out. But if you're a Bologna supporter right now, you are just loving life. Um, a one nil win here over Lazio, uh, a goal by Lewis Ferguson, uh, Skodowski coming through and making some saves, fine performance from him. Uh, the, the restructuring of this team seems to take effect. And if, if Tiago Mota's manager of the first best, I think Tiago Mota wins manager of the season through the first 11 match weeks because of this 10 match unbeaten run. And because he's taking Ricardo Calafiori, who was used as a wingback at Roma, a fullback at other places, and he is deputizing at center back next to Boykema, and it is working. Yeah. Um, It is working. I mean, uh, there is just so many, there's just so many positives to say uh, about this uh, Bologna team. I think that uh, if I'm not mistaken, Orsolini had a nice free kick uh, as well in this game where he could have, where where, where I think he forced a save. Um, if my memory serves me right mm-hmm, from uh, mm-hmm. Pro Bodell. So, uh, but man, let's talk about this, Richard, because Bologna, and it's not like they're doing this like against 10 teams in the bottom half. There's a draw with Napoli in there. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, and I believe, let me see, let me go through this a little bit further. There's a draw at, at Inter. Uh, they went and drew them. Uh, they drew Sassuolo, who can always be a tricky team to play against. They drew against Monza. They drew against Napoli. Um, they have pulled some results, and I think they beat Juve, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. Um, so, I mean, this is this deserves our attention right now. I mean, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. We caught it before everybody else did. We said, hey, Bologna's unbeaten eight matches. We better pay attention to this a little bit. Yeah, both uh, you and I, you picked them at eighth. I picked them ninth. I thought we both thought that this team was due for, you know, for success. Uh, we Obviously, we both think highly Thiago Mota. He's had some difficult stints to start his managerial career. However, um, they they begin the job done. Eric says, that's what it's their derby. Yeah, that's right. Um, this this team has just been put together, kind of mix-mash, right? We know that obviously some of the guys like, you know, Orsolini and Porsche and Abish or some of these guys and Likojanis, the guys we know about Skorupski, but you know, you throw some of the guys like Salamacher, I mean, Xerxy, Froiler got into the mix. Obviously, Ferguson with the emergence of him. Um, I mean, you mentioned the two mixed-matched center backs there. It just, this team seems to work together and you got to give credit to because it's not just like they're shithousing their way and playing, you know, parking the bus and letting everybody, you know, just trying to get a goal here and there. They're, they're playing actually really, really good football. And I think that game against yeah, Juventus, they, they look fantastic against Juventus and, and they look fantastic in numerous amount of games. They can play different styles. And this one uh, is a little bit of a mix of, 
of defensive and a, an attacking style football. Uh, so it's, it's interesting. Dominic asked, you know, how is their depth and how does this bench look for continuing success in May? And we already know they're starting 11, right? But you look at their bench. Uh, you know, Bonafazzi, Christensen, uh, Corazza, Lugami. Amoro is a guy who, who's been around the block. He's got some experience, right? Uh, and Doye, Van Hoidunk. So they got, they, got some, they got some decent players. Um, they'll need to get some more pitch time, I think, if they want to, yep. you know, to see how if they're going to hold up because injuries are bound to happen. It just, it just does, right? But I think this team is built for success. And the players who you – for all these years, we expected them to to kind of play to their potential or even close to it. And they hadn't – you know, Mihailovic and all the other managers, they finally started doing it yeah. under Tiago Mota. And Tiago Mota has found his way to, you know, get these guys to play pressing football when they need to. They play beautiful one-touch passing when they have to. They play defensive when they need to. They are very – they're very formidable and they're very <sighs> – how do, they're, they're like almost like a, a chameleon of sorts because they can they can adapt mm-hmm. to whatever they need to and it shows in the result they've had the first you know 10 11 weeks of the season so uh, they've been fantastic to watch honestly well the the depth uh just to follow up on the depth question i i i have concerns should Cerxi ever go down and i'd have concerns if skudovsky yeah. would ever go down those two positions i think lack depth Yep. Uh, they're going to want to pay attention to that in, come January and try to figure out how to address that. I think the midfield, there's enough to interchange things and defender to enough to interchange things. And let's remember, they're only in two competitions. They're in Serie A and they're in Copa Italia. So they're not chasing Europe. They're not playing every three days with the regularity that some of these other teams are playing with. Yep. So, you know, they have that advantage for themselves. Um, I would say that... Um, the the one guy that I and we we made a we 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 had some fun with this a few weeks ago, but Giovanni Fabian, I, I want him to pull, get him out there. Just I mean, yeah. even if it's for about five minutes, get this kid out here. The yeah. kid he looks younger than my son. <laughs> yeah, we talked about it a couple weeks ago. We're if like, you look at his, if you, if you yeah. look at his headshot, just for that reason, just I yeah. want to see him. And I was like, that that dude. The if you just look at his picture, look up Giovanni Fabian, and yeah. that's with two B's. He looks like he's eight. Yeah. Like literally, I mean, just I mean that that's that it looks like the pic the picture was taken from his boyhood. Here, I'll, here, like, I'll show the screen right here. Here's it's there, amazing there on screen right there. So he looks he looks uh, young. Now there he looks a little older. Like there he looks like <laughs> there he looks like he's smiling because he's about to ask his mom for the he's 16 and he's about to ask his mom for the keys to the car and she said no even though the keys are in his back pocket yeah. anyway. Yeah. That's that's that smile. I know what that smile is. And my, he's already got he's already got a goal this year. He's got eight last year with Regina. Um, he's something to want to keep an eye for, and I think you're right because I think, and if this team wants to succeed in the long run, to Dominic's point, we need to see some guys on the bench get more pitch time and get acclimated yeah. to the, the speed of City A and, and the tactical awareness of City A. And so, if they want to have success, they need to bring on some of these guys on the bench a little bit more. And I get it, they're, they're starting 11, they're starting 15, are, are doing really well, but you know, get every guys in the mix and you know, and, and Copa Italia, if they can afford to ro- do some rotation, I think it'll help them in the long run. Well, I think you got rotation there with with uh, Posh can with with Diesel Vestry who mm-hmm. can deputize on the right. Yep. Yep. The center backs, I mean, it's it's right now it's it's Boykema and uh, Calafiori. Um, Bonifazi can step in and Lukumi when he gets healthy. I think that Sumaro is a guy they're going to have to. Mo- I, I I'd say yep. they they got to move him. The guy's a red card waiting to happen whenever he's out on the pitch. Yep. Uh, I've always felt that way about him. Um, and then you got Lico Giannis who can play on the left-hand side. And I don't, you know, I think that Calafiori can deputize there. 
Um, he was used on the left at Roma in some uh, cup matches and things like that. Um, you know, so so they've got some coverage there. And then in the midfield, um, you're primarily looking at, you know, you had Salamakers, Carlson, and Doy. Um, Orsolini is kind of classified as a forward, even though he plays in a wide area. Uh, Ella Zuzzi comes into this conversation. I think Moro is more of a winger as well. Um, you know, so there's plenty of depth there. Ferguson in the 10 role has been a revelation for them. Yeah. Uh, scored in the win here against Lazio. Um, Abisher can play deep. Froiler yeah. can play deep. Um, you know, so, yeah, I mean, a lot to like about this team. And I mean, the, the, and we've always been saying this about the collection of talent at Bologna. You know, and we had to walk on eggshells when we talked about it with Sinisa and Mihailovic there and everything that yep. he was going through. But we had to call it the way we see it. They were underachieving. Yep. You know, I said relative to the talent that they had. And now that Tiago Mota's come in place, he's he's cleaned this up a little bit. Um, and, and and they're a threat to anybody they play going forward. It's, it's uh, The parallels between them and Fiorentina are re- remarkable, really, because before Vicenzo Toliano, you know, got the same thing with them. They were very massively underachieving, had this laden, you know, talent-laden team for years, and they've just been struggling in the bottom half of the table. And you're like, the mansion needs to come in here and kind of right this ship. And Vincenzo Toliano did that for Fiorentina, and now Tiago Moto has done that for Bologna. And well, what you're going to see is a lot of, you know, a lot of teams are going to start coming for Tiago Mota. Now, hopefully, he stays in City A because you want to see the success, you know, keep improving. Um, but yeah, what he's done, what Vicenzo Toliano have done, both these gentlemen, uh, it's, 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 it's remarkable, really. And I think, you know, this game against Lazio for Bologna, it wasn't like Lazio rolled over for them. Lazio came at them with our Castellano hit the post a couple of times. Uh, Pedro, Felipe Anderson, you know, the guys were involved. Luis Alberto was all over the place. But they, they held their own. That's the yeah. thing. They, 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 you know, teams that are good possession, like like Lazio and, and other teams like that, they let them have the ball. But when it gets down back into their box, that's where they close up shop. And then they got Skorupski. If things fall through, Skorupski has been a goal, solid goalkeeper for in City A for many, many years now. And so it's good to see that he's finally got a good team in front of him that he can actually showcase his skills and not have to face 50 shots a game like he did in the past. So, um, yeah, it, it's 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 just uh, a kudos to what Tiago Moto seems to game yeah. plan perfectly for every team they play against, no matter if it's a ball possession team or a team that plays on the counter. Just thank God he's not doing that crazy two seven two that he tried to do at Genoa. That would just the... so that's the thing that's confusing because I'm glad I'm glad you brought it up because the two seven two is it it seems like it's something astronomical, something stupid, but the way. Uh, Tiago Mota did it was he read it vertically versus up and down. He read it side to side. So if you look at it, you're looking at a left back yeah. and a left wing as a two on each side. And so the middle is a seven, including the goalkeeper. So he just, he just is messing people's minds. It was really the formation he's using now, which is the four, two, three, one. But if you like, like I'll pull up on the screen right here. Um, oh, I can do it again. I got to screen it back. <laughs> um, if you read from the screen, you look, it's like two, the two guys, right? So you look, Liko Janis and Salamakers on the left. You got two, mm. Orsolini and Porsche on the right, and then seven in the middle. That's how he reads 272. It's really yeah. a 4231. But um, what he does is just he's able to adapt his teams uh, to any team that plays and the way they all come back for each other the wing backs and the, and the defender, uh, wing backs and the, and the wingers. Um, it really helps his team solidify in the midfield because when you own that midfield, you own the game. And, you know, that's what his teams have been doing lately during this 10 game run. And and uh, let's see if they can uh, <clears throat> let's see if they can carry this momentum here. Um, yeah. They travel to Fiorentina next. Um, that is on Sunday, and I'll tell you what, Fiorentina have if if, if you want to get them, get them after they've had to play in Europe. So yeah, hundred percent. You know, so that's 
it, there's definitely opportunity. And then after that, we're back to another uh, FIFA break, and then and then uh, and then they host Torino. So it's going to be a couple of games where they're going to be tested to see if they can carry it and get to get to eleven and even twelve. Yep. Um, so, uh, but uh, exciting to see. So what do we got next, Richard? What do we got next? Um, well. Uh, we're looking at the pull up the uh, the scores from this weekend just so everyone can kind of follow along where we're, where we're going with all this thing. But you know, start with the the reigning champions uh, Napoli. They had their little own derby, the Campania derby against Salernitana. Um, uh, this is uh, interesting to see how Napoli would do in this kind of game. Salernitana is a tricky team. Uh, we've seen them, you know, snipe some teams. They 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 gave uh, Roma a run for the money earlier in the season. They got some decent players. You know, not maybe not necessarily household names. But it's it's a good team to really test yourself on, and, and Napoli who w- want to show everybody, you know, they are legit. You know, you know, it doesn't matter. Just it's not Spalletti. It's it's this team. This team is uh, super talented. Um, did win this game two nothing. Uh, goal to Raspadori, uh, nice goal in the thirteenth minute. Then Elmas in the eighty second minute got all three points. But what we saw in this game really is Napoli really in cruise control. Um, yeah. It's it's a different beast with Raspadori at the striker position versus Osiman, and both players are fantastic. Nothing to take away from Osiman because Osiman, when he's in, he's probably one of the best strikers. He's pro- arguably the best striker in the league and one of the, of the best ones in Europe as well. But Raspadori brings this different element to him, and you would think we've seen so many teams when they lose their main striker, they continue to try to play the same way, and it doesn't work, right? And they probably could do a Giovanni Simeone, but no, they got Raspadori, who is a fantastic uh, striker who can play a multitude of different positions, and he can he drop into position to the right, left. He, he's so good, uh, and the interchange he does with the one-two passes is fantastic. And, and Napoli just they put him in there; they kind of just change their, their play just ever so slightly. Uh, but man, they're so fun to watch in this game with the tiki-taki passing, Kvarashele um, uh, moving around, Politano mm-hmm. moving around. Those front three are just. They play so beautiful. This team, it does. It doesn't matter who the striker is, and it, you know, I didn't, I didn't feel they were threatened at all in this game. I guess Salernitana. I mean, did you? How, how did you feel this Campania Derby win? I mean, if it wasn't for Ochoa, I think that Napoli shipped five in this game um, yeah. with yeah. the chances that they had. Uh, the, the volley by uh, Zielinski stood that that connects and that goes in. That's our goal of the week. Um, but Ochoa made a fine save there. Um, yeah. So, so there was one uh, one thing that I noticed. Yeah, I think having Angesa gives them some solidity in the midfield that, you know, they can play higher, they can press higher, they can win the ball back and cause problems. Okay. Um, I mean, and when you win the ball back, you know, with through Angesa, through Labotka, you know, the quadrant of Zielinski, Kvara, Politano, Raspadori is as good as anybody in the league. Yeah. Um, you know, so uh so it poses lots of problems um you know so it was a comfortable win and a comfortable performance there just really wasn't anything that that Salernitana did that 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 gave this Napoli side any trouble um yeah they they put some chances on target but it wasn't anything I can't remember Merritt really ever being threatened in this game he had maybe one big save he had to make uh but other than that yeah you're right that's right that's right he wasn't really threatened and um I mean Eric to, to Eric's point you know, the Napoli sure a lot more. You know they had really good chances in this game. They just kept coming at you wave after wave. This is what I'm talking about. They play just so beautifully, and they they force you to play defense for 90 minutes, and they find ways to break you down. No matter you you shut down one way, they 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 have they don't just play you know one style. They can move it around the pitch. They can use the three guys and shift them around. It's just so beautiful the way they're doing it at the moment. And I saw this on Napoli Twitter a lot. I'm curious what Eric's thoughts are, but you know again this kind of shows what 
a Rudy Garcia type uh, managed team, they play good against the teams they should be. And that's what, what I've said, you know, from the beginning of the season, even before he, you know, the season started. And you're, this is what you're going to see with, with Rudy Garcia. He's going he's gonna to play nice football. It's always for me when he plays those big, you know, those tough games in your league. How does he do? If he if, if Napoli could translate more of this, and we saw that in the Milan game when they went 2-2, they came back from 2-0. Uh, if they could do more of that, you know, th- that's what you want to see. It, it just Rudy Garcia sometimes gets in his own way and gets in the team's way of how uh, of their success. Because this team has the blueprint already from Spalletti and managers before on how they want to play. They know how they want to play. And, and you see that they can adapt with Raspadori in there, Olsiman, uh, Giovanni Simeone, doesn't matter. Um, so Rudy Garcia kind of got to step back in some of the bigger games and let this team do what they got to do. They're, they're, they got star players on the team. And uh, when Osiman's healthy, you got you know two top stars on a team that can really control this game. So let's see, let, let them let the reins off a little bit on the bigger games. But in these games, like against Salernitana, you're not going to see them drop points. And that's no. that's a credit to what they did last year, right? They were so fantastic because in these kind of games, they didn't lose. They won. And that, you're going to see more of that this year. And Rudy Garcia will allow them to do that. Yeah, agreed. Um... Yeah, you know, I'm with that line of thinking because you 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 know you don't they they go in and they do their business and I mean there's 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 games where it's dominant and they just absolutely rip apart the opponent and there's games where it's where it's one nil and they that's about as easy as they make a one nil win look yeah um you know so you know here was kind of closer to the latter it was two nil I mean it it certainly was there was room for more goals and they left some goals out there but they're going to take the three points um. You know, certainly with a lot of the conversations and things that are swirling around with 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 Napoli fans not particularly being happy with Rudy Garcia. You know, I think this is my editorial. I'm I'm looking forward to Eric's opinion about this. I mean, okay, any manager that's coming in and having to follow that, and everybody (laughs) knows what I mean by that, yeah, is going to be squeezed. Okay, Um, it's not going to be good enough. The fan base is not going to be happy. Okay. Um, are there, are there some differences with the way Garcia does things versus the way Spalletti does things? Absolutely. There are. Okay. You know, you can't, you're not going to hire a manager to come in and say, Hey, just please come in here and do what the last guy did. Okay. Everybody's got their own and some of it's ego. All right. Uh, coaches want to put their own twist to things or they want to add, or they, they want to take what's working and they want to add to it, or they want to figure out, all right, where were the actual deficiencies and, do I have the strengths and do I have the characteristics to help us overcome those right. without giving up what we've got? I mean, there's, there's a lot of that, that there's a lot of that that goes on with a new manager. Okay. Especially one that has to follow a title winning manager that decided, Hey, that's it for me. I got my Scudetto. I'm going to go back and make more wine until Italy calls me up. Right. So maybe, so maybe there's an underlying issue. Cause you brought up a good point. You said you shouldn't expect a new manager to come in and kind of replicate what the last manager did. But I feel this is just me, and I'm curious what Eric thinks and all you know, Napoli and Tani who are who are listening here. Um, it feels like ADL is holding him to that same standard that Spalletti did. He says, "Hey, look, sure. this team is phenomenal. Look what they did last year. Repeat it, and I, anything less will be, you know, will be a firing." That's kind of the feeling I get from ADL and those comments he made earlier in the season about Rudy Garcia, and he's. He's not an Italian. He's not. Um. He's not up to the Italian game now, and he shouldn't be there. You know, that's that's the kind of vibe I'm getting from ADL, and I agree with you. I don't think you 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 can expect a manager to replicate what somebody else did. It's like when when Zidane had his you know the, the three Champions Leagues in a row, and then the next manager comes in, he goes, "Go do it again." Like, no, you can't do that. It's a different manager. No. He's got to find his way. You have to support him. 
hopefully the drop-off isn't drastic and they continue to be uh, fighting for the Scudetto in, in, in Napoli's case. And so that's how I feel. I mean, do you get the same vibes from ADL that he's trying to hold him up to the Spalletti, uh, you know, the torch there? Not just ADL. I mean, just the Napoli fan base. I mean, that's more understandable it, than ADL, but, I think, for me. But 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 it is. It's 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 just human nature. Yeah. That when you get a taste of success like that, that you're just you're greedy for more of it. Yeah. Okay. And but you you're not only greedy for more of it, but you you're you're approaching it with a change and with a significant change. Okay, going from Spalletti to Garcia, and maybe th- you know more often than not things don't start off the way you want it to. Okay. Um, That said, I always said that this was the year you're going to expect Napoli to come out and blow everybody away. I thought last year was the, remember we talked about it. I said it all season long. I said all season long. I said, you know what this, they need give it 10 to 15 games. And then after that, they just, they go on a tear get into top four. And then they are the it team for the 23, 24 season. And they just went, way ahead of schedule yes um and it's really really easy and it's human nature to just be greedy for more success Mm -hmm. you know you want to you know and and you want it so bad that if the slightest underperformance you're going to start questioning the new guy that came in because he's not winning the way the guy before him did it so you know i mean look at what we're going through with milan with 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 milan fans right now okay the the spalletti or not spalletti uh pioli wrong bald guy (laughs) <laughs> they all look the same right yeah yeah i mean pioli makes the progression okay get some top four all right um get some top four wins the scudetto okay uh following season doesn't win the scudetto but gets to the semifinals of the champions league all right and now they're third in Serie A, a point ahead of napoli mind you uh and they're bottom of their champions league group the toughest group in the toughest of the eight groups and Milan fans want Pioli to go a, a certain fraction of them do, you know, I mean, it's just like, it's, it's, you know, our, it, yeah, it's, it's gone stale. It's worn out and all this other stuff. And, you know, we're not getting the same kind of success. So the automatic thing is what change the manager. And for a couple of weeks, Napoli fans were saying that about Garcia. Yeah. You know, early I mean, on in the season. Eric's comments right there. So the difference we see is that there's something off of the players and him versus the players and, and Spalletti. Strange game management, too. I will agree about the strange game management. We saw him in important games where they're down 2-1 to one and taking off Ossiman, taking off Zelensky. Like, that doesn't make sense to me. I agree about that. Uh, but, yeah, you know, the, the chemistry, when you have such success like Napoli did last year, even the players, they expect the manager to be at a certain level, you know, in game management and how they hold themselves. And if they don't see that, you naturally, you know, players obviously get more confident, stuff like that. And so there's naturally going to be a retort to that and, you know, conf- and confliction with the new manager, especially if things aren't going as well as they'd hoped. So there's maybe a little bit of that. It's a little bit of everything there. I think still give Rudy Garcia some time uh, to get this team used to him and, and vice versa. Yeah. But uh, it's not going to be the blowout like we saw last year with Napoli. It's not. Maybe Inter this year might have that, but it's not going to be with Napoli. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it it's. Could. It, it, you know, it's just, it's, it's what, I mean, Napoli supporters are just going to have to grit their teeth for a little while here until this collectively gets figured out between the manager and the players. So, um, so that's it. And then you mentioned Inter, so let's move on to them. Uh, going on the road to Bergamo and taking care of business and winning 2-1 against Atalanta. Um, 
They get goals from uh, Hakan Chalanolu on a penalty in the 40th mm-hmm. minute. Uh, and then in the 57th minute, Martinez with a goal uh, with a goal of the week candidate. Yeah, he was. Uh, lovely curling goal. I mean, it's, it's actually my goal of the week. Uh, all due respect to Colombo. Um, and then uh, Skamaka gets him back into it. And then Atalanta are on the are on the move, forcing some saves out of Jan Sommer, who I think is better than some who I think was better than the than the way some people rated him in this game. Um, and, but every, the, the momentum for Atalanta to try to snatch a point out of this got killed with a Rafael Toloi, Toloi second foul into Rafael Toloi's defense. He had to do it. I mean, if he doesn't, if he doesn't, Sanchez is gone yep. and inter counter for the third goal. I mean, it with so few minutes left, you're still trying to get the, I understand why it happened. And I understand Toloi's decision there to just, Toloi did what I wished Rangers would have done on match day three. Uh, in the Champions League on Zaire Emery before Zaire Emery got that pass off to Mbappe for the first goal. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, that's the difference. Take the card, you know, you know, take the card and we'll sort it all out later. You know I mean? Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, the, the, the favorites to win this thing, just keep on rolling a two, one win uh, at a tricky place to get a result. Um, you know, they they keep rolling. They they win in so many different ways. Um, you know, this game they were playing more on the break. They probably were in more of their comfort zone. Atalanta had a little bit more of the ball uh, than Inter did. Um, you know, but they had to absorb some pressure. Ademola Lookman was terrific in this game mm-hmm. uh, until he was substituted. Um, Chalinolu beyond the penalty, I thought was was excellent. Mikatarian obviously to help on the. In, and what do we say? Who's the best in the world at, or one of the best in the world over the last several years? Who has stood the test of time in specializing and being just a counterattack specialist from the midfield? Yeah, Who's been better? There, there's not many that have been better than Henrik Mkhitaryan over the years. Um, and then he delivers an assist here in this game, um, you know, for Lotaro. Um, Darmian comes in for Pavard and, and, and we act like nothing ever really changed. And, you know, I just think that what we're seeing over the course of the first 11 games, where Napoli have slipped and dropped points because of a new manager, Milan have slipped and dropped points because, you know, for, for, for reasons that everybody else will, everybody will have an opinion over. You can probably just say, well, a lot of new players and players that have left, but then also, is it really getting stale with the coach? Um, you know, Juve starting to, you know, stumbling at the beginning, but starting to figure it out. But we, my first two words when I picked Inter to win the title, continuity matters. And they had that massive advantage over everybody else that was going to be contending for this thing. And it's showing. Yeah, and they had a phenomenal window as well. That's, you know, it's very underrated how good of their the window is. Everyone talks about Milan's window, but they, the equals got me. Jan Summer's a fantastic keeper. He's been he's been near the top of his game for a decade now. I mean, for Gladbach for since 2014, then with the Bayern and now here with the Inter, he is a fantastic goal, goalkeeper for the Swiss national team as well. Um, brought in uh, Taram to compliment uh, Lautaro. Uh, obviously, you know, Benjamin Favard is a fantastic, you know, uh, addition there. And they got some other pieces brought back, Alexis Sanchez. I mean, what they've done, the continuity, I think, is the most important thing. And they, they had a good team last year. Yeah, they had some mental breakdowns at the end of the year that kind of make them slip. It and both both Milan and Izzy clubs kind of slip. 
But they're coming back with a vengeance, and you saw how good glimpses of how good this team was, especially at the end of the season when they went into the finals of the Champions League, mm-hmm. uh, and they played they played City very well, I thought. And then they come out this year, and both you and I picked them to win the Scudetto right off the bat. Um, and I mean, we both uh, we both kept talking about how close this season's going to be with with top seven, top eight teams. But what I think we're starting to see now is, like Napoli last year, Inter are consistent. Um, and they're finding ways in those tough games where they are either someone's putting the parking the bus mentality against them or they, uh, someone else got the lead on them. They find way to not only come back and draw it, but then get a goal and win, and win the game. That's what a champion does. And it looks like they want that second star more than, you know, anybody other than Milan at the moment and anybody to win this year. And they're starting to show that they are the class and they have been all season long, that they are the class and they're starting to pull away. Yes, Juve are getting results at the moment, but, you know, the one thing you see about Inter, you talk about continuity, they're very consistent this year. They haven't had a really a, a drop. Their, their worst games are still better than your, everybody else's, which is a scary thing. When they're on, look at the Milan Derby, right? And when they're off, they still get the, they still get the results. Uh, they went in against Empoli later, you know, whatever it is. Um, in this game, it, you know, they got the two goals in this one and, and beat a good Atalanta team. And I think, you know, they took Atalanta to, at the beginning, which kind of surprised, I think, Atalanta. And Inter had a lot of a lot of created chances to your point. Chalanola was fantastic. And Barella, Barella's looking in this game at least, looked back like his world-class self, where he's making these you know switches across the pitch on a dime. I mean, he looked good in this game. Dumfries was excellent. DeMarco, um, this whole team was playing really well. And when they got the you know two-goal advantage, finally Atalanta woke up and we started seeing Atalanta putting that pressure on. And then Inter's comfortable with that. You take the ball, come at us, we'll play the counterattack. And you yeah. know, that suited Inter perfectly. Yeah. Atalanta got a goal to kind of cut things back, but um, yeah, it's right in the Inter's wheelhouse, and they got a fantastic keeper. Like I said, that that kind of stops him back there when things do go awry. He's there. He hit so uh, Sommer had a fantastic save, and who was it? I don't remember anymore. Um, man, it's, uh, it's late in the game. I know that. Was, I think it's Kamakas. It was a Kamaka yeah. play through a bunch of legs, and he just got his paw down. Really, his reaction is so fantastic. So uh, yeah, this team is uh, humming at the moment, and man, they look good. They look good against Atalanta, and Atalanta did not look bad. I think the key with this game is you had who is uh, who was going to give up first, right? Atalanta hadn't given up a goal at home all season long to this point. And Inter haven't allowed a goal on the road, which is, you know, someone's going to give and both gave. Both teams are good. They're going to find ways to score. So an uh, excellent game, I thought. And Atalanta have nothing to hold their heads down against. This was a good performance by them. They got beat by a better team. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought that Atalanta played well. I, I think they, they've shown their credentials about being one of the top teams in this league. Yeah. Uh, you know, in this performance, it's just in, a, a little bit, a little bit too much inter, it, you yeah. know, and sometimes you just, the other team found a way to beat you, you know, on a, on a good day. Sometimes that happens. Yeah. That's what's, that's what makes this sport so great. Right. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, and, and, and you are carrying this over a little bit to the champions league, um, they stumbled out of the blocks against Real Sociedad, but still were able to rescue a point. They beat Benfica. Mm-hmm. Um, they won their – so they're, they're – I believe they're top of the group, right, on seven points. Inter, yeah, they're tied. I think they're maybe technically second, but, yeah, they're 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 a good, good, good position at the moment. Yeah, because they beat Salzburg. So, right. um, so, yeah, so it's – you know, everything's – Everything's moving right along for them. Um, you know, I mean, uh, we'd probably be talking about Simone Inzaghi as manager of the season if we, you know, if Tiago Mota wasn't doing what he's doing, if Max yeah. Allegri isn't doing what he's doing. And speaking of Max Allegri, you know, uh, who is 
you know, when we play word association with Mags Allegri, what do we say? We probably say shithousery. Yeah. Uh, and uh, there was there was some uh, shit. Catanaccio, uh, Catanaccio is alive and well in this league, Richard. <laughs> yes. Let's talk about it. Yeah, certainly. It certainly is. Uh, probably the marquee game of the weekend outside of Atalanta and Inter uh, was Fiorentina Juventus. Obviously, that big derby there, big rivalry game there. And, you know, um, it was curious to see. We, we we all knew what the game plan was going to set up as, right? Uh, you know, you look at both the lineups in this one, and you knew if your team was going to have the possession, they're going to have all the ball, and you are going to do what they they've done so far this season, and it's kind of like park, it's kind of like a park the bus mentality and take their chances when they have chances. They will, they're very clinical, very lethal, uh, and we saw that in this game. You saw Fiorentina really going after Juventus. Juventus kind of bent but didn't break. Um, had their chances at their own, but uh, you know, I thought Wes McKinney and, and Maretti in particular and Rabiot, they were. They played really well in this game, both on the front end and the back end. But um, Nico and Gonzalo, I think, is a, Gonzalez is a guy who was sorely missed for Fiorentina. When he's in there, and the way Bonaventura's playing this year, Fiorentina just looks so so smooth on the ball. But even as good as they look, um, and as good as Juventus looked defensively, they just couldn't get the job done because there was a guy named Chesney. You know, Tech was fantastic in this game. As good as Juventus were in front of him. He had to make some big saves in this game, and he did. I mean, especially in the first half and also in the second half. Huge saves by, by, by Chesney. Uh, I think it was a free kick by Beragi at one point or, or someone I think, who took it and made a fantastic save on a uh, diving save that was going top corner. Um, but lots of pressure by Fiorentina, and all it was, all it took was a, a goal early in the game by Miretti. Uh, wonderful play uh, that, that who, I forget, Kostic, I think, ended up getting the ball right Kostic, in the middle. yeah. And Moretti just cuts right in, like like he should be doing, and finally gets his first goal of the season against uh, Fiorentina. That's all he did. You knew that when they scored that goal, it was going to be near impossible for Fiorentina to score a goal, uh, as good not, as they are. Not to Juve bash though. Awful goalkeeping by awful goalkeeping by Terracciano. Yeah, yeah, he looked good. He's right. He's right there, play, except for that one play. Yes, I yep. agree. I agree. Uh, but yeah, I, I think what we saw is a team that's very good on the ball, Fiorentina. Came up, coming up against a team that they just couldn't break down. And Catanaccio is what we saw from Juventus. You know, this is last year and maybe mostly last year we saw was the 2.0 version of Allegri. It was trying to be the Catanaccio, but was not good defensively and they couldn't do anything offensively. This Juventus team is kind of a throwback to when they won nine in a row where they play fantastic defense. And when they have to, when they want to play attacking, they can. And we saw them put like three, four goals a season up when they can, when they want to. But they yeah. are smart. Allegri is smart, and he picks his poison. And when he knows he's going to get a team like uh, Fiorentino, who like to have the ball, he's going to sit back and play the counterattack and take his chances when he, when they come. He's not worried about it uh, very much like a Mourinho or uh, even Udinese this weekend. But uh, Catanaccio is certainly alive and kicking, uh, especially with Allegri. I mean, how many consecutive games have Juventus Six. gone now? Six without Six conceding a sheets. goal. Unreal. Has anybody even like dangerously threaten the goal at any mo at any time. No, I mean, Biragi <laughs> had a free kick that forced a save from Chesney in this game. I just remember the Milan game. Milan's loss. Milan had chances, but nothing, nothing concrete. Yeah. Um, Fiorentina had 25 shots in this <laughs> game, but a lot of them were desperate. You know, I mean, Bonaventura had a very close chance. I think what was it? The first sec. I'm sorry. Second half. Yeah. And I think that just went barely wide. Um, but I think that's one of the things that has to impress you about this run by, by Juventus is that not only have they not conceded a goal over the last six games, I don't think anyone's come close to scoring, yeah. you know, 
And I when mean, and just, when people get close, Chesney's there. You have a great yep. keeper like Chesney or even Medin when he's in there. Uh, or Petty, excuse me. Uh, but yeah, this team is, you know, the comment here by, by, by Anthony, or excuse me, Vincent says, you know, it's a mid-team. I think you got to give a lot of credit to Allegri. He he knows what he has and just kind of plays to their strengths. And what we've seen is that, you know, Rabiot's had this successive, even before the World Cup, uh, really great run here. And then you throw in McKinney, who's been playing really well. Locatelli starting to emerge. Meretti's always good to plug in there because he seems to do, do really well. And they help out that back three. Bremer, again, was fantastic, I thought, in this game. Um, Beltran, who Fiorentina have high hopes on to be like the next Batisuta, was non-existent in this game. He Obviously, he came off really early, but Anthony Barak couldn't really do anything in this game, you know, and, and Kwame was fairly quiet. Miku Gonzalez tried to do everything on his on his own, but you can't against this Juventus team. You just can't. And I can't wait for the Derby d'Italia end of this month because that's going to be, you know, two heavyweights right there. Possibly, you know, the first first shot of the, the Scudetto winner right there is how that game goes. And it's probably not going to be the most entertaining based on how these two teams can play defense. <laughs> no, exactly. It's going to be a slog. It's definitely going to be yeah. a slog when they get together and play each other. Let me ask about Locatelli. Okay. I mean, is he, you know, because for the longest time we've been, you know, for the longest time we talked about, okay, He's playing out of position in in Allegri setup. Yeah. This isn't what he really plays. This is what where he where he actually thrives. And he's turning in some good performances, or he at least looks good on the pitch. I'm willing to argue that he it's the product of the tactics that Juventus are playing, and they play with such compactness that he's not necessarily isolated in certain situations that you typically see most players in his position. So I wouldn't sit here and say that Locatelli has figured out how to play that role. Okay. I would sit here and say that he has understood certain responsibilities that contribute to a collective. Um, It's a very long winded way of saying, I think it's a team effort to, to bog down the midfield. It's not one man ball winning and tackling. Cause I still don't see Locatelli, you know, as a guy that I would look at and say, yeah, I'm, I'm intimidated if I'm anywhere near him, that he's going to come in and hard tackle me. Um, or he's going to, you know, make me think twice about trying to create through the midfield or anything like that. I think it's the collective. I think that he has, you know, when he is in situations where he has to defend, he has cover, um, you know, Rabio and, and Miretti know their responsibilities and they get, you know, the, the three of them play tight through the middle. They've got the back three behind them, too, to provide cover, too. I'm not ready to anoint Locatelli as a man who has adjusted in his career. I think he just does just enough for Juve, but I don't I don't think he's figured this. I don't think he, I'm, I don't think he's figured this position out yet. No, we haven't seen the best of Locatelli. I mean, if you look at this midfield five that Juventus put put out there, he's probably the third best in that midfield. Fourth best, fourth best. Yeah. Excuse me. I think Rabiot is really the the, the yeah. best player in that midfield. I think McKenney is that uh, tackle cruncher ball who wins the ball. He's a ball winner. He's a he's, yeah. a he's a true number eight. Even if he plays on the wings, Meretti is such a good on the attacking side. He he he. The, the nuances of the game. Meretti is so advanced for his age, as as is Fajoli. Uh, and Locatelli is just, like you said, he's in a, in a great system for him at the moment. Is not where he can reach his potential, but he's not going to be found out, like you say. He's not isolated. And because yeah. of that, he can kind of play a little bit more freedom. 
go and attack when he has to, help out defensively when he has to, and it's a good fit for him at the moment. Will this help him reach his potential? I don't know. Uh, because I think we, for the, as Azuri fans, need him to reach that potential to really help the, the midfielders that the Azuri have, to give him some, some depth, rotation, so that you know he can alleviate some of them and, and come into games, big games when it matters, and not let the, uh, a big drop-off in the midfield when, when say, Avarati leaves or or uh, Barella gets off the pitch. We need someone to step in there and kind of keep that play at a certain level. So he's not there yet, but I think he fits well into the system. And like I said, fourth best in this midfield at best, um, just because uh, Moretti, McKenney's the ball winner, like you said, and Rabiot is probably the best, most talented on this team, I think, in the midfield. So, yeah, he's not there yet. Uh, hopefully he can get there, but uh, he's in a nice place at the moment. And this midfield is certainly doing well with him there, you know. Yeah. <laughs> The flip side of the, the this Catanaccio portion is Milan's defeat at home to Udinese, which has drawn <laughs> a lot of ire from the Milan fan base, the Pioli out crowd. This is when they're at their loudest, when they lose, when Milan lose or drop points to an inferior opponent. Yeah. Um, Udinese does just enough to win this game. I mean, they rarely had the ball. Milan possessed it 72% of the time. Yeah. No. They had four chances on target in this game. So, I mean, Silvestri earned it in this game. Um, he was outstanding. Um, yeah, it was Silvestri, wasn't it? Yeah, it was Silvestri. Yeah. His new haircut is throwing people off. It's, I'm glad. I like it. But, uh, yeah. Well, it didn't <laughs> throw him off last year in this fixture. Milan put four past him on the opening day. And I think that that's kind of it. I mean, Florenzi missed an absolute sitter in this game. Yeah. Um, you know... Giroud had a great chance that that Silvestri got to in the second half. Calabria's chance was dangerous enough. So, um, and then and then there's a penalty there. There's a penalty there in the end, and, and Pereira scores. Um, what's going on? I mean, Udinese gets the win. Um, uh, you know, a big win for their new manager, uh, Gabriele Cioffi. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe that's, uh, you know, after a string of draws, uh, now there's down, now it's a win and it's kind of gotten them some breathing room here from at least a couple, there are a couple points ahead of Verona for the drop, yeah. you know, at least early on, um, Milan just crossed the ball and hope for the best. I think that's the only, only Pioli's only tactic. Well, here's the thing. And I'm watching this game and Udinese just gets, I mean, here's how you can beat Milan. Just get in a low block against them because what? here's what they don't do. When you look at other teams right now that are playing this kind of style against, you know, or that have to play against that kind of style, what do they have? They have, you know, they, they've, got, they've got individual players who can unlock things and take people on. And, and Milan have that with Leal. Yeah. Okay. Uh, to an extent, they have that with Pulisic. But I think Pulisic breaks you down with passing better than he does with, with dribbling. Um, you've got a target to play to with Giroud, but, but, but what do other teams do when Manchester city sees that look? Cause they see it all the time. There's, you see aggressive combination play and just a willingness to take risks with certain passes in, you know, within that low block to create the chances, you know, Napoli, you see a lot of that. Okay. When you can get, when you can get Zielinski plugged in there and you can see some more combinations to just try to unlock that low block and find the free man to finish. I don't see any of that with Milan. Okay. What I see with Milan is just shooting hope from distance. And in this, in this game in particular too. Um, so 
you know, but I have to, you know, and I'm not saying this because I'm still a Peolian guy. I, 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 which I am. I mean, I'll point to every, I'll point to every reason why you keep them and show you. We talked about 96 last week. We'll talk about when Milan sacked Allegri. That was the beginning of the banter era, mm-hmm. um, you know, in full blast. Um, but Alessandro Costa Corta said, we're just, Milan's just not finishing. Yeah. How can you, can, can you really blame that on the coach? I can. Um, but you're right. It's the players have to do a, a big part of this, but you know, I, I made the joke that like Juve have, having given up a goal in you know, six games now feels like Milan haven't scored a goal in, the, in six games. Um, and to a point the players hundred percent have to be the ones that put, score the goals. But you know, I think when, when things aren't going well, you got to find something to get to get the, to stir the pot. Um, Milan don't have a Francesi type that can bulldog his way and and kind uh, create goals from nothing. Um, Leao isn't living up to what he's trying to do too much at times. He's not living up to his star player mentality that uh, you see it in flashes where he comes in like, oh my god, he's taking over the game, and then he drifts away for long stretches of the game. And you can't have that when a team's not scoring goals. Obviously, you have like a guy like Giroud up there and, and Jovic. Why are they starting together? I don't know. Um, it's so many pieces, and I know there's a lot of injuries as well. But when you when your team is struggling, you need to find ways to adjust your game so that you can be more successful. And Milan are just not creating anything at the moment. I mean. They can't score in Champions League. They can't score in the league at the moment. It's it's really depressing as a fan, and uh, I don't. I'm with you, and I I don't think anything should happen with Pioli until the end of the season because no. there's never. I've never seen success when it when it happens during the season. Um, there's so many examples of just you know taking guys and uh, what's his name now I can't remember now, but it was it was right after Legri was sacked. We brought we brought one of the guys from the from the youth Sadorf. academy. Well, Sador no, Sador came in. But we brought some other guys too, and none of that has ever worked. Um, yeah. and it won't work here, especially with Abate. I don't, I don't think it would. Um, but for me, I, I still put a lot of blame on Pioli and company because they're they're not adjusting to the tactics. They feel like continue to do their layout and shala. They're trying to just throw it to him, just swing the crosses in, hope for the best with Giroud and, and layout, and it's not working. They got to find something else, and um, maybe you get through this rough patch and get back to the normal ways. But they're also not playing well defensively, and um. The defense is not looking shaky at times. Tomori goes on these great stretches, and then he plays really – he gets a red card or something stupid or makes a silly mistake. Um, yeah, Udinese did what they normally do to Milan. It wasn't Bacal this time, right, like yeah. uh, like uh, Dominic said, but it was, you know, it was Pereira, and uh, it was a foul. It was a legit penalty, right? No, nothing to complain about there. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, it was an um, interesting game, to say the least, and uh, – Catanaccio won. You knew Udinese was going to come and play because they, they had lost. Obviously, they've been losing so much this year. Then they lost their Coppa Italia game as well. And so, Trophy said, he challenged them. I want to see, you know, put up a fight, give some, show some passion. They did. So, you got to give credit mm-hmm. to Udinese uh, in this game. But, yeah, Milan just, it, it's just been hard to watch. They've had so many chances, million shots. It just, they're just, it's not working. It's not working. I mean, I'm just going to keep repeating it, though. I mean, as long as Milan are in the Champions League places, okay, um, Pioli's going nowhere, okay? Uh, is bringing in Ebra for this mystery role going to make things more complicated? I don't think it is. I think y- you take him out of that dressing room, you're taking out a lot of the leadership. 
So can okay, you explain this Ibra thing? Because I saw this like pass up, uh, pop up, and I was like, Wait, "What's going on with with Ibra?" So, you know, what? I don't even think Redbird knows. <laughs> maybe not. Maybe Pioli is going to pay him some of his money. Hey, I need help, man. Come on. I um, think they're just going to call him and say, "Hey, we're going to get you know, just come in here and hang out, and we're going to give you an office, and you go hang out with the players at Milanello, you know, um, and we'll pay you." They do need I mean, his leadership. You know, they do need his leadership for sure. Milan yeah. were at their best with Ibra and Kiar both in the back there, kind of like showing things away. You know, Liao was controlled under Ibra because every time Liao gets off in his little his little crazy way, Ibra kind of grounds him immediately. You, you need that, but it's still a little bizarre to be bring back a guy. I guess maybe it's not as bizarre now, now that I think about it, but when I first saw this pop up, I'm like, well, what's going on here? Yeah. Well, you also got – this isn't the most fit team right now. You know they're dealing with they're 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 dealing with a litany of injuries, which, um, which they're which they're trying to work through, you know. But injuries don't, and and I remember somebody was talking about this last time. Um, you know, injuries don't excuse certain selections that make you scratch your head, like Luka Jovic. You're going to put yeah. a stiff next to a stiff up front. I've never seen that work. I've said that so never many worked. times. That's, it's that- like you know. Who was doing that for the longest time? Uh, why Sampdoria and Serie B? They thought that yeah. playing Gabbiadini with Quagliarella or, or whoever it was would win them games. Or Caputo with Quagliarella. Um, so, so we'll see. Cardinale is supposed to be negotiating with uh, Ibra around the PSG match. As a team manager, I think it'd just kind of be kind of a backroom, maybe a player consultant. You know, something in that role. I mean, certainly they're going to give him money. They're going to give him the kind of pay. They're going to pay him the kind of money that's going to make it attractive. Sure. So. Sure. Um, and he's made no bones that he wants to be a, a coach sometimes. So this kind of helps him get his foot in the door and, and, and get in that aspect. So, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. But, I mean, we this is very eerily similar to how, like, Roma started last year where they had all these injuries to start the season. They didn't score goals for freaking like 10, 11 games. And we're like, yeah. what is going on? And Mourinho got the blame as well, where it's like, he's, he's a dinosaur, can't figure this thing out. And eventually it did come around. So it very well could happen with Pioli. And that's why I don't want to get rid of him because I, I, I've fully given him the blame, mostly given him the blame, but I don't think he's out because who do you bring in? There's no one you can bring in that can write the ship. So I want to see how the Champions League group thing sets out, finishes, uh, closes out. And then I want to see how the season ends. And, you know, if, especially if they don't make top four, then I'm probably I'm done with him. And I'm, Teetering, but I don't think he should be fired during the season by any stretch. I think that yet. he, I think that he has earned the opportunity to have the rest of the season to figure this out. Okay, um, he, he's not that far removed from winning a scudetto. Um, he's coming off of a Champions League semifinal place. Um, we're talking about a Milan that is struggling to finish goals. Okay. Um, that sometimes that comes in peaks and valleys with teams. There's um, Vincent with his Roma Roma's perspective. See, and he says like, "Hey, they have Lukaku now, and all the attacking problems are solved." Sometimes it's the players and not the coach. It very yeah. well could be. It very well could be. You know, health, very fair point. Health a lot, and also you know the players doing what they have to do. Yeah, yeah, I agree. You just it makes you wonder what uh, having uh, you know they didn't have they didn't have uh, did they not have Teo Hernandez for this game or. Yeah, Florenzi had to play on the left. Right. Um, Teo was out. <clears throat> yeah, Teo and Pulisic will be back. And uh, one more, I forget who the other person was. Uh, Chiquese was out too. 
Um, yeah, Chiquese, Kalulu, uh, Pulisic, um, you know, Pellegrino is going to be out for a while here. Benacer is slowly starting to come back, probably after January. Yeah. Um, so, you know, they're shuffling through some injuries right now that are impacting their ability to play. Okay. Um, you know, so there's something, and I'm not going to sit here and keep making excuses for Pioli and I'm not cracking all of a sudden. Um, Champions League semifinals place had a little bit of luck with the draw in international games during this and with international games during the season. They eliminated the best team in Italy to get to that semifinal. I don't think that was luck. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, they got to play a Tottenham team that stopped giving a shit for the coach they were playing for in the round of 16. But, you know, they eliminated a Napoli that the rest of Italy couldn't figure out. So yeah. you don't, you don't, you don't luck your way into that. So, um, and then the you know the group itself, yeah, the group they had a favorable draw. It was just going to be between them and Chelsea over who would win it. So, um, you know, that's just uh, that that's just how it is. Um, but again, yeah, again, I I I I'm, I don't I don't think you should get rid of Pioli, but I do blame him a lot, especially you know what we've seen in Champions League as well. Like you can't figure it out there. Teams that yes, it's a hard group, but should not be getting beat three nothing to PSG. Losing no. PSG, I get it. But three nothing, like they got embarrassed in that game, and then against Newcastle and Newcastle put a lot of shots in. It just came up to a goalkeeper who was standing on his head, and then the Dortmund game, you know, you know, really again not creating enough chances on this. In this, and they got to figure out a way. And I, part of that is the manager, part of that is the players, but uh, it needs to improve, regard irregardless of what you know what what happens. I think Pioli should stay. Yep, yep. So, you know, I mean, and back to Udinese, man, just a win that they were. Let's let's come back to Udinese. They resorted to the tactics that were going to allow them to survive. It, it was a much needed win for them. Um, so, you know, kudos to them. I don't know how much this changes for them. Um, you know, no. in terms of their no. prospects, as soon as Samarjic is gone, it's going to be a real, real challenge for them going forward. Um, he should have been gone in the summer. Should have been on his way to uh, Inter. Okay. <laughs> yep. So Jerry Mancini's in the house. I know, man. Good to see you, Jerry. Yep. Uh, Tim is saying that he feels Giroud is the only reason Milan win games half the time. Absolutely clutch when he's on an absolute winner. Um, there's just starting to be whispers, Tim, that Giroud's getting too old. Okay. Hey, he's 37, right? Yeah, he's 37. And I mean, he's you can't... He's, he's not, but he is clutch when he comes through. Absolutely. There's no, there's no dispute in that. It's like the biggest games he will show up, but then it's like everything else is like, oh, maybe he is getting too old. It's hard to say, you know, that can the service yep. either. Right. So. Yep. Agreed. So some late heroics from some teams. Mm-hmm. Roma. It's the reason why they got Lukaku. Uh, winning by uh, two goals to one there with a late win. Um uh, let's see here. Uh, I don't think that the uh, Calgary win. I mean, Zappa scored in the 68th minute to win 2-1 as we start cover- uncovering some of the rest of these games. Um, Monza winning 3-1 over Hellas Verona. Colombo with a brace there. Yeah. Uh, Andrea Clapani looked outstanding again. Yep. Um, 
you know, so those are the three that we haven't talked about. And we've got Frosinone playing Empoli and Torino playing Sassuolo on Monday. Um, but, um, you know, but chat's having a nice debate here about Giroud. So yeah. nice to see. Um, so, but let's, let's, let's talk about these, uh, I mean, I mean, did you one last point about Giroud, or do we get no, on? No, 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 no. I'm ready for the next games. <laughs> okay, I'm already ready for the next games too. We got another chat fight about Giroud. Yeah, let them, let them, let them talk about Giroud. <laughs> um, so the Italian game is interesting, right? I think the the game winning goal, which came in, you know, whenever whenever Zappa scored that, um, it was a penalty for me. No, not not. It was a foul that led up to the goal. I don't know how it wasn't called on. Gosh, I don't remember even who who had the foul uh, in the during the game, but uh, there's a foul. It looked like to me where a player clearly takes out uh, Goodmanson, uh, and then a player breaks out the pitch. Zappa Zappa eventually you know get, uh, gets the ball and scores the goal. But for me, it was a penalty. But it, it goal should be called back. But there were still 20 plus minutes to go for Geno to get back into it. Uh, and Kali held on to their own. They had their chances. I thought you know Lovumba and company were played really well this game. They were up for it. Um, always going to be a hard game against a team that who's going to be one of your indirect rivals uh, in terms of placement in the table. So Kylie's starting to show a little bit more passion lately. Uh, Viola, I love seeing him come off the bench. You know, he you know he's in his mid thirties now, but he still has that spark. And when he plays with Deola and some of these other guys, um, it's a good mix. I mean, they got a good mix of of experience plus youth in this team. Um, and Lavumbo looks so hungry; he's not going to be there for much longer. I don't no. think. But uh, it was a good, it was a good entertaining game. I thought you know Good Goodmanson again is trying to do everything himself. Uh, it seems like, but the Genoa are, are, are a tough team, um, and I thought Cali deserved the win. Uh, you know Genoa had more than enough time to kind of make up for that goal that shouldn't have counted in my, my opinion. But hey, you know Cali did what they had to do. They got the win, um, and you know now they got what two wins on the bounce now. I feel like the back to back wins now for Cali. Um, good for them. It's probably why we don't see George right now. He's probably, I mean, Calgary are on a winning streak. He's on a drunk stupor right now somewhere. He's on a drunk stupor. <laughs> He's just gone on some kind of retreat to try to process this information. <laughs> so that's what I would say, man. Calgary two on the bounce. Uh, that's 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 better than I thought they do at any point this season. But they've gotten they've gotten a way to figure it out. Having Viola in the fold too to give them a little creativity. I think that that was something that was desperately yeah. missing with this Calgary yeah. team. So. Uh, you know, I don't expect them to all of a sudden start making a charge up the table, but having him there is enough to make people pay attention. Yeah. Um, and then you got Luvumbu who can unlock you a little bit too, to your point. Um, uh, you know, Genoa right now is just completely good Bunsen independent. Um, I mean, it's, you know, Malinowski is just the classic example of what happens when you leave Atalanta. Yeah, and, isn't he? You know, God. it's just, it seems like Hoyland's right now the only guy that, because he's 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 at least scoring a few goals for Man United, and the yeah. jury's still out on whether or not okay, the one and done. And Zapata's been okay for Torino, I guess. Um, you know, but most of these guys that have moved on, you know, from Atalanta, and in the case of Malinowski, it's like he's been a shell of himself. I mean, yeah, yeah. and I'm yawning because I'm yawning at his performances and the kind <laughs> of player he is. I, it's just like. You know, you don't. You, maybe, maybe Gilardino starts getting out the best in getting out the best in them. But hopefully, it's, it's strange. You need, need Retegui to get back too to kind of help that complement that you know Goodman's in attack. Yeah, because um, they got more guys to focus on, and then hopefully the midfield can get more involved as well. 
but yeah, no, I think he's he's certainly lacking um, at the moment. Not playing. You would have thought when he came back to City, yeah, that he would kind of re- recap some of that magic that he had at Atalanta, but it's not it's not happening just yet. And um, it's unfortunate because I think Genoa need him at the moment. Genoa are kind of going through a little bit of a funk at the moment. Uh, they're still getting you know some results when they when they need to, but. It would be nice to have a, a solidified midfield there with with Melanowski to kind of help lead the way and put some scare in people when he gets that left footed shot off. But we really haven't seen that this year, and it's like, what's what's going on? So, uh, you know, to be determined with Genoa, but yeah, yeah. Um, let's talk about a couple of teams that are in really good form right now that are coming off of wins here: Monza and and Roma. Yeah, Roma first. Told you guys, this is what it's going to look like now that they've got the pieces. Yeah. And they've won four out of the last five, 12 points in the last five games after starting with five and just their first six. Everybody was calling me. I, I said fourth, and I'm not wavering from that. I think they're, I think they get to the Champions League next season. And with the form that they're in, the, the narrow one nil defeat here against Inter, where they played a near flawless game, should have gotten out of there with a draw had it not been for one stupid lapse in concentration that led to the goal. Um, You know, I, you know, watch out for this Roma team. And in here against the Lecce team who has been very game, very pesky. And yeah, yeah, I mean, Lecce's 11th uh, still, even with, you know, not having won a match in their, in their last five. Um, Roma, that was a gut check win to be able to pull that one out in stoppage time and, and reverse that result um, and, and come away with the win. Um, find ways to win, uh, especially in situations like this. I mean, it's the difference between Roma and, say, Milan right now. Um, yeah. You know, it's not always pretty, but they're finding ways to get it done. And then on Monza's side, um, it's a product of, okay, they're beating the teams that are around them, you know. Probably still going to take the defeats to the top or to the upper level teams. They might pull a scalp here or there, uh, but they're ninth. Um, they're ninth. Andrea Colpani, another assist. Uh, you know, Colombo scoring goals where Milan are struggling to score goals. Um, you know, you've got players like Chioria, uh, Piscina, who's kind of a, adapt. You know, adapting to a new role, uh, playing yeah. in a deeper midfield position, and seems to be pretty successful. Um, it's a, it's. I don't hold Monza in the regard that I hold Bologna. I think Bologna on paper have more talent. I agree. Um, but they're they're proving to be a problem. Um, so talk about both of those teams. I mean, Roma, yeah, that's what it's supposed to look like. And Monza, yeah, they're the young players that they've uh, they've assembled are are playing at a high level. Yeah, so Roma obviously Lukaku escaped egg on his face with the uh, f- what fourth minute penalty um, that he missed you know, that uh, Falcone made a save on, but yeah, this is a team that you know Roma what they could what they could look like at least yes they got the result and when they have possession of the ball you know Falcone had to make some big saves I thought DiBala when he's healthy he just adds this element to this team that not many teams have uh, he is so so good on the ball he has world class talent. Um, and can shift around, can find people, he can find different spaces. He's got a left foot, he's got a right foot, he's got some tricks behind him. But you know what? The the scary thing for me was for Roma defensively, Banda and Omquist were giving them nightmares defensively. Mancini got beat bad so many times against Banda. Omquist was doing his number on Indica. 
Um, I know Mourinho was asked about how does he feel about Llorente, Indica, and and Mancini. He goes, that's my starting back three at the moment. Like the starting starting period right there. That I'm not going to waver from that until guys start getting healthy again. And they're good when they're put in the right position. But when you're put in a position where you have to go pace against these guys, but you know, Mancini can. If you're trying to go like, uh, if it was like a big body trying to go against Mancini. Fine, he's fine there. But when you go for pace, he's not the most pacey or a quick guy. And Banda was making the moves on him, finding his teammates around. Um, Lecce, we're, we're certainly giving it to him. Um, uh, what's his name? The uh, Ristovich, uh, you know, he was fairly quiet in the game, but I thought the two wingers were, were, were important, and they were huge on that goal that they scored, uh, where Banda kind of did the, kind of the dirty work, and then Olkas came in with the rebound and got that goal there. Um, but... Roma, this is the what we expect from Roma and Mourinho's team. I, I saw a stat which was I forget who posted it, but it was like something like twenty some goals in the, after ninetieth minute uh, under Mourinho's reign, which is unreal. This team doesn't fight; they, they don't quit until the very end. This is very reminiscent of, and this is different levels. This is, you know I'm talking about Sir Alex Ferguson at Manchester United. They used to score goals late in every game under Sir Alex Ferguson. Yep. Fergie time. Fergie time, exactly. Yep. Uh, and you knew it was coming. You could always put a bet down that they, they would score. And now you see now with Roma too. They just don't. They don't quit until the very end. Um, obviously having that the, the big uh, the big goal to make it one one, and then it's kept riding the momentum. And momentum is a funny thing sometimes. And Lukaku uh, spared blushes with that with a nice goal. I think it was Basquerotto that he kind of pushed off right before. And, and no foul. It was a good bustle. You know, shoulder shoulder play and puts the ball away. Um, this Roma team is good. Uh, they didn't. They played against a tough opponent, Lecce, who gave them everything they had, like you said, but uh, they found a way to win, and I think that's important in, in the grand scheme of things that you see how well they're playing at the moment and on all, all, all fronts, and this is just a part of it where they just don't quit, and that's part of this DNA that Mourinho's kind of instilled in this winning DNA uh, since he's been there to never give up till the very end and you have a chance. They did it against Milan not too long ago, right, where Milan thought they had a win and then they, they stole one at the end. So it's it, this is what Roma d- do now, and you got to be prepared for that when you play against them. You either got to put them out of their misery and get three goals, and hopefully the game's over, or be prepared for a, a big wave at the end of the game, which seems to always come. Yep. Most definitely, most definitely agree with you on, on those. We've got a couple of games tomorrow, Richard. I mean, we've got Frosinone and Empoli, which I think is a, if it's, if it's mostly for any reason, it's to see, you know, two of the bright young, young uh, players in this league, Matias Sula for Frosinone. Tommaso Baldanzi for Empoli. Yeah. Um, so an exciting, you know, could be a very exciting watch there. Uh, and then you've got Torino against Sassuolo, a Torino team that has just all of a sudden forgotten how to score goals, um, have been miserable at home yeah. uh, so far this season. That's one of the worst home forms in the league. Uh, coming off a 3-0 defeat um, at home against Inter was their last fixture. They did stop the bleeding going on the road and winning at Lecce 1-0. It's like the first goal Torino has scored in a while. Um, but a team struggling for goals against the Sassuolo team that's certainly more than happy to let you score. Uh, it might be the tonic for Torino, um, but Sassuolo also will will produce their chances too. You know, I look at these games right now, and I I, I think they're entertaining for their own reasons. Yeah, Frosinone, they had a... a- they had a nice win in the Coppa Italia in the midweek, um, early this or last week, I should say. And then uh, it's going to be an interesting game against Empoli, I think, because Empoli, they like to play attacking football. 
Um, and Frosinone, we've seen, can do that as well. So it could be a sneakily open game, a game where you think would be like pretty boring. But no, I think both teams are going to be attacking each other, which could lead to some goals in this game, which I, I fully expect. Because I think Frosinone and the EDF have surprised me so much this season. I, I, I wrote them off so quickly. I mean, as you expect, it's EDF, right? You're like, oh, he's gone. But no, the, the team is performing. Kind of like picking up what they took last year, adapting to the city, and now finding ways to get results. Uh, and so... You know they're going to be in the mix in this. Empoli, though, I feel have a chance to get a goal, maybe even two in this one, if Frosinone aren't aren't too careful. And then on the flip side with the Torino Sassuolo game, um, I agree. I think Torino this could be their their tonic here, where they get a chance to finally score some goals against Sassuolo. Now they're going to have to be on it defensively because obviously Loriente and company, Parardi, those guys are are magical with the ball at their feet, and so you're going to have to do your due diligence and and mark those guys extremely tight. Um, Pino Monte can get goals, even though you know he seems to be quiet in some games at times because the other two guys kind of steal the limelight. Um, but this is a game Torino could you know bounce back on. They need a game like this where the defenses be a little bit more relaxed against them, where they can a team that gives up a lot of goals. That's what they'll do. And so here's their chance if they want to break out of funk, get your shots on goal. You know, yes, Consili is a good goalkeeper, or even the backup is pretty decent. But there's opportunity. And when there's opportunity, you got to take full advantage of it. Uh, if you want to get out of this funk, this is no better time to play a team like uh, Sassuolo than you know than not. So, uh, no, sh- hopefully, that one's a, a goal a goal fest in that one. Yep, I think that Frosinone and Empoli. I'm gonna go with a two-one win for Frosinone. Okay, I like the way Frosinone are playing, and, and, yeah. and you know, and such. Um, man, I'm just. I'm not trusting Torino to score. I mean, I think they'll get one, but I think I think that Sassuolo will win away two one, and I think that the uh, problems for Ivan Juric will continue. Uh, so I, I think there'll be goals in in each of these games. So yeah, um, so we'll uh, we'll just have to see. Yeah, I'll go Frosinone three one. I go. I like your score of Sassuolo two one over Torino. Yep. Yep. So. Uh, amazing Vincent says Torino Sassuolo has a one-one draw written all over it. Yeah. Uh, I think you're going to see some Catanaccio from Torino if they're going to do it. I think Sassuolo is going to try to get all over them. Um, so we'll just have to see. Um, we'll have to see. So that's uh, that's a wrap. You got goals of the week? Uh, I do, I do. So uh, let's see. Honorable mentions. Um, honorable mentions. Goodmanson, his goal. I thought it was a nice goal. He took it well. It was a difficult play, bouncing in the air. And then also Caldini's counterattack, the goal that I said shouldn't probably count it, but uh, Viola ended up getting a goal. Nice goal there. Uh, top five, Elmas, his uh, curling effort from – he kind of like took it almost like from the mid from the midline uh, yep. to the goal and nice curler there. Number four, I'm going Ferguson. There's a nice team goal by Bologna, uh, put capped by Lewis Ferguson there. Number three, Colombo's second. I thought it was a nice shot curler um, from outside the box, kind of – did it all himself. They're very, very similar to Elmas, but I thought he looked more impressive as a big man doing it versus Elmas. Number two, again, I like the 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 curls of the of the week, and Lautaro's goal was fantastically well done. The only reason it's not number one is because Roma found a way to get a win at the end of the game, and Lukaku, you know, kind of spared the blushes with that goal. So Lukaku's goal is my goal of the week because it came out of nowhere. Roma two goals in the last, you know, in stoppage time. Uh, only reason it, it beat out Lautaro's goal, which was remarkable. Yep. Uh, okay, so I've got my my five here. Lukaku does come in at number five for me with that late winner. 
uh, agree with you there. Well taken. I'm going to go with Goodmanson's goal number four. Uh, I will go with uh, Ferguson's goal number three. Uh, Colombo's second goal for Monza comes in at number two. My goal of the week, Lautaro Martinez, 12 goals in 11 games. Let us go to the Lautaro. We've got to do the Lautaro tracker now. Uh, 12 divided by 11 equals 1.09 goals per game. You multiply that by 38. He is on pace for 41 goals, possibly 42, which would be the record. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thir- of by 30- some margin. 30, 36. Yeah, 36 previously set by Chido Immobile. And Niguain. Uh, and yes. They sh- I think they were uh, – yeah, were they joint? I think they yep, were joint. I, I believe they're joint. Yeah. Yep. So um, so those are the goals of the week. Let's uh, let's quick look at Europe, um, and we'll look at the Champions League. Uh, we get into Tuesday's fixtures first. Lazio are hosting Feyenoord. Milan are hosting PSG. Uh, if you look at Lazio right now, uh, sitting third in the group on four points, uh, with Feyenoord sitting on sixth, on six and first, they got Atletico Madrid there on five. They got they've got Celtic, and I think that's at the one to Metropolitano. So, Atletico Madrid, you got to expect they're going to win their game and get to eight points. So, Lazio with a chance to jump in second here with a win over Feyenoord. Do you think they'll do it? I don't know. I mean, the last game they had lost pretty convincingly 3-1 in that game. Um, they don't need to win to be relevant in this group because I think this group is fairly close. At least the top three are. Can they win? And it's going to be a home. Yeah, I don't know. I, it's hard. For me, I, I, I see a score draw, like a 1-1. I would love Lazio to win to to kind of almost confirm their they're top of the group standing, but uh, I, I, I'm hard to say that they're going to win at the moment, even at, even at home, because Feyenoord can you know can get you. They're a good team, so I say one one in that game. Yeah, and if it's one one, that puts you know that does keep them two points back of fine. If they lose, it's catastrophic because you got to assume that Lecce's going to beat Celtic. Yep, and they'll be on eight, and Feyenoord will be on nine, and Lazio will be on four. Um, they will have to win their last two and hope that they'll have to beat Atleti. Um, and then they'll have to beat Celtic and they'll have to hope Atleti drops some points here, you know, toward the end against Feyenoord as well. Um, it could be, you know, that could be the, the a loss. Certainly is the worst possible outcome. Now last year in this fixture at the Europa league, Lazio won four to two. They were in much better form at the time. Um, so, I'm gonna. I'm with you. I'm gonna say it's gonna be a draw. I'm gonna say it's a two-two draw. I think it's gonna be an entertaining game. Um, so it's gonna keep them two points off from Feyenoord, <clears throat> but still put them in a pretty tricky situation where they're gonna have to win and probably have to win the remaining two games to have a, to have a shot at qualifying. Um, so Milan hosting PSG. Uh, we know what happened at the Parc des Princes. Uh, 3-0 to PSG. Uh, Milan are now bottom of the group. They have not scored in five games. They're struggling to score goals. Everybody's miserable in the Milan Twitter camp. I'm going to say this, Richard, mm-hmm. because we have been through this. How, we've been through this ever since Pioli has taken over. When the barbarians are at the gate and they get even louder, when Pouty Saudi is sitting outside the city, I sit down office and shouting <laughs> and inciting riots. That's when Pioli just pulls one out of his ass. He does. 
And I think they're going to win this game. Two to one, I'm going. Wow. You know, I think that we're going to look at the Udinese game and we're going to say that this was an, this was a trap game and a brain fart. It was all, you know, and that they get this figured out and it helps to set the tone for them for the rest of their group games. And it'll be a big confidence. So I'm going to go with them. Some of this is Homer in me, but Every it just seems to happen when when Pioli is just standing at the edge of the abyss, he pulls one out yeah. when you least expect it. So I'm and I I'm gonna I'm gonna take my chances that it happens again here. Two one, they're gonna win. Mignon is gonna pull off about five or six saves in this game, um, and look fantastic. And Mbappe's still gonna get his. He's gonna get one, but Milan are gonna be able to catch him the other way. Yeah, I mean, the one thing I will say is that under the Pioli tenure, he has found ways to pull something out of his ass and get a result that no one expected. I mean, he's done it. How many times has he done the Italian job in, in not only Europe, but also in the league as well? It's not out of the realm of possibilities. I think, you know, a loss could be catastrophic in the sense that, you know, Newcastle and Dortmund could certainly draw. And that'd be three points behind them, and they got a result. Hope that they win out, you know, or get the better results against those two guys, those two teams, uh, the rest of the way. But yeah, you know, it's I can I can see Milan pull things, pull something out of their ass because they've done it numerous times. They did it when Pioli. Everyone thought he was going to be sacked for Ranić. We saw it so many different different times, even during the year when they won Scudetto, and they found ways to pull pull something out of their ass. So yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna. I mean, it's probably a little bit of homer pick, but I'm gonna say they get a draw on this one. Uh, say okay. something like one, 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 one. This doesn't hurt PSG if they get a draw on this, um, or a loss, honestly. But um, yeah, I, I, I feel they pull something out of their ass and be like, everyone's gonna be like, what the hell? We don't even know what to think about Pioli now. Mm-hmm. Yep. Leo um, masterclass. <laughs> Leo masterclass. Well, it's gonna have to happen. It's I gonna have to happen. Yeah. Let's get to Wednesday um, and two teams in better situations, uh, Napoli and Inter. In fact, I think wins for both of them here on match day four will secure their place into the last 16 uh, with two games to spare. And I think they're both going to do it. Union Berlin, I don't know if they've got you. You follow Bundesliga more than I do. Um, Ten in a row, ten losses in a row. Yeah, they continue to be a mess. Napoli should be able to take care of business, win pretty comfortably. I'm going to go with a 3-0 win for Napoli on the day. Um, inter traveling to Salzburg, it's going to be tricky. Okay. It's, you know, but it's going to be a professional effort from inter. And I think that, uh, uh, I'll give them one, one nil, uh, seals the deal and, and puts inter through to the last 16. Yeah. I, I'm with you in the two wins. I think Union Berlin, despite being on a 10 game losing streak, they kept it tight. It just, they just haven't found the formula to score goals similar to Milan. Uh, but I, I think obviously Napoli have the talent and the team is, is so good. Uh, and then being at home is going to help as well. Uh, I'll go two nothing there. Uh, Napoli wins that. And then, yeah, I'm with you with the inter, you know, narrow win. They don't need to win, you know, big or flashy. They just got to get their job done, which I think Inzaghi knows how to do cup merchant, as we said numerous times. Um, so yeah, I think both, both those teams win and they, uh, lock their, Lock their place into the next round, which is amazing for Inter because usually they wait till the last minute, last game to get a, to figure it out, and now they have a couple games where they can kind of rotate, which is going to help. It's going to only help them in their in their Scudetto push because they can kind of rotate players and, and really focus back on the league there. And 
that's just really bad news for the rest of the league. Yep. I definitely agree. Um, moving over to the Europa League, uh, we have, uh, let's take a look. Um, we have Atalanta hosting Sturm where a win there will secure a round of the next, the next round of uh, qualification for them. Uh, they'll have head to head over Sturm. Uh, Sporting should beat Rockoff in that group. Uh, so we're not particularly concerned there. Roma travel to Slavia Prague. Um, on surface, should be tr- should be difficult. Slavia Prague are second on six points, um, but a win here for Roma would secure um, a group win for them uh, on the road. Um, but a draw pretty much saw, pretty much locks up their chances of qualifying uh, for the next for the next round as well. Um, I think those, we just have two teams right now in the uh, Europa. Yeah. Two teams yeah. in the Europa. And then finally, uh, uh, Fiorentina against uh, Chukaricki <laughs> in the uh, conference league. Um, I'm trying to get down there. That is at Chukaricki. That's Chukaricki's in Serbia. Um, I believe mm-hmm. that's what we learned about them last time. Isn't it? I believe so. Okay. Um, and uh, looking at, I'm just trying to get through Fiorentina's group for whatever reason. My computer just wants to be slow right now. Fiorentina, Ferenc Varos, and Genk all have five points in that group, and Chukarichki's just bringing up the rear and making up the numbers. Um, Fiorentina's going to find a way to win. It's going to be tighter than you think. Uh, probably I'll go 3-1 for Fiorentina. They will they will get it done. They'll get to eight points, and then they're still going to be in a dogfight with Ferenc Varos and Genk for qualification. I'm going to go Roma drawing at Slavia Prague. Um, and I'll go 1-1. Um, and uh, I don't think either team will be bothered by that result. And I think Atalanta finish off, Stur- you know, finish off Sturm when they couldn't finish them off in Austria. Uh, they'll take care of it here. I'll go 3-1 in that game. Yeah. Um, yeah, the Serbian team, Chukaricki, uh, um I don't think they'll allow six goals this time, but I don't think uh, they're going to get any goals themselves or win anything. I think, you know, Fiorentina should win that game fairly comfortably, you know, maybe look another two or three, nothing win there. Uh, looking at Slavia and Roma, I'm with you. I think on the draw one, one sounds like a, a legitimate scoreline. I think, you know, obviously traveling there is always difficult. Um, but I think both teams are in a place where they don't want to expend themselves too much because they know they can get beat and they, they feel comfortable enough that they don't have to overextend themselves, I think, and put themselves in, in risky positions. So yeah, one, one, I like that. I like that scoreline and I'm with you on Atalanta too, as, as well, getting a win. Uh, I look at more like at a two, one scoreline at home. Um, they continue to do, do well defensively and uh, just do enough to get past um, Sturm Graz. And so you probably see a little bit more rotation. Some of the guys who didn't get it that many minutes uh, in the game, probably see maybe a Luis Muriel start which should be a, maybe him in a CDK or something like that. But, uh, yeah, uh, we'll see some uh, hopefully three wins or at least two wins in a draw from the Italian teams in this one. Yep, yep. So that is our European roundup. Is there anything that we've missed news-wise, Richard? Uh, I think it was pretty quiet on the news front, unless, unless I'm forgetting something. But uh, no? Derby d'Italia is next. Uh, Derby, Derby, de, Derby della Capitale is uh, this upcoming weekend. Uh, so that's going to be the, the headliner, obviously. Lazio is Roma. Lazio the home team? Uh, let me look at the calendar. I'm sure one of the guys in the channel, it's Lazio looks like they are the home team. Okay. Um, I'm still picking Roma. 
Ooh, I am hmm. two one. I I'm going Lazio at home. I just I have my concerns if. Lazio can't break down and score on Bologna. How are they going to score on on Roma, who's going to be much more organized and much more compact? Yeah, that's fair. That's that's kind of my that's kind of my argument here. Now, I mean, now, I am giving him a goal, but I think that Roma will score twice. Okay, okay, fair slowly, enough. Slowly, slowly, Casale and Romagnoli are not the partnership that they were last year. Yeah, they're going through a blip. The whole team is going through a blip at the moment. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I, I, I think Lazio find a way. It's gonna be a, it's gonna be an ugly game. Um, but uh, I don't think you're gonna see either, any team score three goals in this one. But uh, yeah, I said Lazio went ugly. <sighs> something like a one nothing, maybe two one, something like that. Sorry, sorry, Vincent, might not like mm. that. But uh, hey, maybe I'm wrong. Yep. All right, and uh, we now move on. Derby d'Italia, I think, is in a couple of weeks. Yeah, it's on it's on the twenty fifth, twenty sixth. It's after the international yes. break. Yep. We may have um, uh we may have Reno on then. We'll, we'll, we'll see if we can get that scheduled. So. Yep. Yep. That would be good. Um, Derby to mid table. <laughs> Derby to mid table. <laughs> nice. <sighs> yeah, let's. Well, you know, let's. Uh, we're already starting the laughs. Let's have a few more laughs and take a look at who. Po- let's take a look at the contestants for the world's most popular hashtag game. Who won Calcio? Twitter. All right, kicking things off. We got Joe Cappuccino. It's Allegri when Sule returns and asks to be played as a right winger. He's like trying to throw. Up. Like, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? You're not gonna <laughs> play right wing. You play right back, left back. <laughs> All right, we got uh, Saturnian saying speed meeting Faracelia killed me. Oh my god! Can't believe that, bro. I can't be lying to let Martinez play, bro. I'm about to meet so many people. I think I think I'm about to meet like. A lot of people, bro. Right here. Yeah, here, I'm comes, here comes Here comes yeah, And they all come up here. I'm about to meet a lot of people, bro. And the connection's good. Like, all right, hold on. Here we go. Yo, Karaji. Karaji. Oh, boy, what's good, Karaji? Oh, me. Karaji. I don't know, boy, bro. Karaji, I see. Oh. What? Karastania? Potestania? Yes. Potestania, my boy from uh, England, Georgia, my boy. Yes, sir. England, Georgia. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, man. That was cringe. That was cringe. Oh. Or speed. Well, speed is not the only one. Djokovic uh, made a joke out of him. Djokovic telling him he's an AC Milan player. Nice. Oh, man. Poor speed. All right. So Freaky Freaks is nominating our friend Nima, who I think made this. Is this post unavailable? Well, we're going to have to move on. Yep. We're going to have to move on. Oh, rats. Would have been nice to see. And I think uh, Anthony is also. Uh, yeah. it's, okay. Uh, we've got a legend uh, <laughs> up next here. Violismo. Uh, Tonali, now that he can't play uh, couch or play soccer anymore. Multiple. Uh, that's a very efficient way to scratch off multiple scratch cards. That's. <laughs> I'll take note of that. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's funny. 
Yeah, I think he's the leader in the clubhouse at the moment. <laughs> yeah, creative in there. Uh, moving on, uh, Dybala Lex says, uh, missing Samuel Elling Jr., last seen providing an assist versus Bologna on August 27, 2023. If found, please contact Juventus FC. <laughs> uh, Apex is nominating uh, Don, I believe Don Atius here. Um, I'm just waiting for it to come up on my computer. Uh-oh. So the original oh. tweet was uh, from Copa 90. He says, what a journey it's been for Union Berlin over the past few years. Uh, it's a picture of uh, their jerseys, their sleeves on their jerseys. And then um, Flavia or Don Atias says, uh, Union Berlin journey after Bernucci's arrival. <laughs> <laughs> second division. Yeah, the second division badge there when they get relegated. <laughs> <laughs> Not bad. Not bad. All right. So... Um, at Vicini Low, Jose Mourinho when his teams need goals after the 90th minute. This guy looks like Mourinho. <laughs> but yeah, Mourinho when his teams need goals after the 90th minute because they are clutch during that time. Um, Wayne Gerard, Wayne in Rome. Uh, so the original tweet was uh, Matteo Bonetti said five and a half games without conceding the goal. And this is Allegri, obviously, with the Dancing with the Stars. And Wayne Gerard says, life is nice when you can focus without the conference league. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely done. Zing. <laughs> oh, where are we at? Is it Villalismo doing is Has Villalismo done it again? Or are we? I, I think it's Villalismo. I mean, uh, the, the speed stuff is too cringe to, to give the win because eh, it was just bad. It's just bad. But yeah, yeah, I, I'm with you with Villalismo. All right, let's uh, let's go with it. Villalismo has done it again. Uh, this week's winner of who won Calcio Twitter. Um, so I will uh, go ahead and report that now. Uh, if there's it. anything you want to say to the people uh, or repost it. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, well, again, a shout out to the uh, Low Limit Football. They had me on a couple weeks ago, I guess it was now, uh, to talk all things uh, football, soccer related. Um, but yeah, the shout out to those guys. Those guys have been doing a fantastic job over the years. They've been doing it longer than we have. Uh, so shout out to both of those guys. Um, what else? What else? Uh, we were talking about Derby di Capitale, della Capitale coming up soon. Um, Derby d'Italia on the horizon after the international break, another international break. Um, other than that, yeah, just you know, I got nothing, man. It's just uh, it's fall season here in the, in the eastern U.S. and uh, excited, man. Things are things are starting to turn up in City. Ah, we got a tight race. Uh, for European spots and uh, you know, Inter are doing their thing and not, and Juventus are trying to hold on, which is uh, it's going to be a two horse race potentially, unless uh, Napoli and Milan can kind of get their things together or maybe another team creeps in there, right? Maybe Bologna. We'll see. Yep. I don't know about that, but well, you never know. You never know. You never know. So, uh, yeah, uh, I mean, enjoy the Champions League games this week, everybody. Uh, I mean, some big, big, important matches for everybody. Lazio yeah. and Milan have. Big work to do. Napoli and Inter have chances to put things away uh, and be ready for the next round of 16. And then, of course, the games on Thursday, Atalanta, Roma, Fiorentina. Let's uh, let's see if we can get some good results and have a good week for Serie A uh, on that front. And then uh, we'll be able to come back next week. Talk about the Derby de Capitalia. Derby de Capitale. Derby de Capitale. There you go. <laughs> so... 
Uh, it is late. <laughs> so it is late. We will we will put a bow on this edition of Syria Sit Down on that note. Uh, where we have our own channel on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. You can find us on Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever there is podcasts. There is Syria Sit Down. Uh, at Syria Sit Down on Twitter or Instagram. Questions, comments, thoughts, anything you want to have us cover on future podcasts. Who won Calcio Twitter? We're still calling it that. Hashtag who won Calcio Twitter uh, for our end of podcast contest that we do every week. Um, please make sure that it's clean, though, uh, that it's not offensive uh, or else we will not read it. Um, yep. You know, we want to have fun with this. We don't want to do this at other people's expense. Um, you know, we will have a good zing at certain fan bases or at certain teams or certain players, but not to the point where we're offending anybody. Yep. Um, and... Uh, we're also on Facebook here on YouTube. If you're watching us for the first time, you enjoy what you see, uh, click that like button. It means a lot to us. Uh, more importantly, click that subscribe button and hit that notification bell because you'll be subscribed to the channel. And then you'll also have notice of when we go live. Um, so I think that's it. Uh, that's we can it. resume our normal Tuesday night service next week. I think Richard. I think so. I think so. Lord will yeah. it. <laughs> Once in a while, we got to shift to Sundays when life gets in the way. So that's right. <laughs> so, well, that's going to do it, guys. Uh, chat, you guys were all amazing as always. Yep. Thanks Thank for bringing you. it. Uh, and uh, we will be back with you guys next Tuesday night, uh, November the fourteenth. So enjoy those uh, European games this week. Enjoy the Derby de Derby della Capitale next weekend. Yes. Got it. Bravissimo. <laughs> uh, that's why we don't get paid. All right. Well, that's it for this edition of City I Sit Down. For Richard, I'm Frank. As always, make sure you tell your paisans about us. Ciao. Ciao. <laughs>